the volume. The Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 18887897777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1800gambler or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1877770stop for Louisiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 18778hopeny or text hopeny for New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the sessions. What is up on this fine Thursday? How's everybody doing? I would say like the day, like as if it's a Tuesday or a Thursday, assuming that you're listening to this in real time, but who listens to things in real time? Who watches things in real time? Nobody. Anyways, welcome to the show. I happen to be recording this. On a Tuesday. Wow, this is getting in the weeds already. We're in the weeds right off the bat, but I'm keeping it. I'm not going to delete this. This is a one-taker. It's what I believe in. Put it out there to the people. I feel like my guest would appreciate that. RJ City is in the hot seat across the Zoom from me. I find this man fascinating. I find him entertaining. I enjoy his antics. I mean, whether it's watching Hey, EW... Road to Revolution, um, his ridiculous tweets, his time in WWE when he was on the bump. I like the guy. I like his shenanigans with Danhausen. So I'm really glad that I got to have RJ City back on the show. But yeah, we talk about, you know, his love of wrestling, his, his relationship with Danhausen, with David Arquette, some of the shows that he wants to create, some of the pitches that he's put out there and what has grown some legs, some things maybe not. Uh, but the guy just is constantly thinking and he's very clever and sharp. The stuff he's doing in AEW, I think, is so great. It's the best place for somebody like him to be able to execute some of these like wacky ideas that end up being like really great content. So I'm really happy for him that he's doing the things that he is doing and entertaining the masses in the ways that he should. So let's get down to brass tacks, down to business. This is RJ City. I've been whitening my teeth. What do we think? How are you whitening them? So I got this stuff called um, opalescence. So it's like these little trays that you put in. In it, listen, it, I also got this stuff called like M1 paste that you put on it so that your teeth don't get sensitive. Do you, do you, you must whiten your teeth. You've got a great smile. Thank you. What do you use? I use the pen. I like 
painting on my teeth. Like it's a fun little nighttime, like, oh, I get to do this. How long do you leave it on for though? Do you just leave it and then it does its thing? You're supposed to stare like this for 30 seconds and then you can just romp as you please. Obviously, you're not supposed to eat or drink anything after it. But Okay, so that's not so bad. Does it kill your teeth though? Because I find whitening my teeth is like a very painful process. This is not though. The, the opalescence I am thriving with but anytime I use like a Crest White Strip. This is the sponsor for today? <laughs> I wish. Oh my God, I wish they would. Guys, Opalescence, everybody buy it. It's on Amazon. Let's all have really nice white teeth. This is what mid-30s Renee is focused on. I want a great smile. It's time. At this point in my career, it's time to really hunker down. It's because the coffee-heavy mid-20s, Renee, it's caught up to you. Actually, I didn't start drinking coffee until my mid-30s, so joke's on you, RJ. Are you what are you a tea person? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, same, same. You were just like you wanted it to taste like worse. You're a tea person? No, I'm a coffee person. Oh, obviously, you make coffee in your underwear. What's the deal with that? Why did you start doing that show? Why are you making coffee in your underwear? What is this thirst trap content you're putting out? First of all, are we on? Have we started? Yeah. And you've just decided not to give me a nice intro or establish who I am or anything at all. We do it in post, babe. We do it in post. I do a whole intro for the show when no one's here. That way I can just be me and I can be free and I can really pump your tires without you being here because I wouldn't want to do it with you on the Zoom. Right. My theory is you set the bar. Like if we did this and you didn't like it, then you can go back and then the intro, you'd be like, you know, it was it was freewheeling. I'm sure there was a lot going on and you you said it so people aren't disappointed. Well, it is sort of a weird thing when you do an intro for the show, because sometimes I just like I give people like a heads up what's in the episode. But that's kind of fucking pointless because they're already there. I should just I don't know. I should tell a different joke. You should maybe do something from the Sunday funnies or something. <laughs> um, show coffee and underwear. There was a period four or five years ago where everyone started streaming and Twitch was trying to get wrestling stuff and whatever. And I had tweeted as a joke that I'm just I'm just going to stream me making coffee in my underwear, which is something I would do on Sunday mornings, just in general. Sure. Coffee makes me hot. So it was easier to be in my underwear and not get overheated. I enjoyed blowing a Sunday morning, just doing nothing but like drinking coffee very slowly and just talking about whatever. And then Tommy Dreamer had commented on the post and said, you might as well. Everyone else is streaming stuff. It's just as stupid. And I thought, well, I, I guess I might as well. So then I, I said, Let, let's just do one and then see how it goes. And then I've done it for over four years. <laughs> it caught on like wildfire. People like a man making coffee in his pantaloons. It's less sexual than it sounds. It's far less sexual. I mean, that's usually the best way, right? Because then people don't feel so weird about consuming this content. They're like, hey, it's not, you know, I don't have to scour the deep, dark web for it. Um, I'll tell you, I had a rude awakening um, looking up things, uh, dirty things on the Internet. (laughs) So I had tweeted out my love of the Blackpool Combat Club, which their acronym is BCC. You had to, you, oh my God. I didn't know what that meant. So I tweeted that and everyone's like, whoa. Sweet, innocent little me didn't know what that meant. But wait, what what does it mean to you? So, okay, so it's it's actually wrong. It would be BBC. I'm yeah, I'm yes, I've heard. <laughs> I was in fucking tears on my couch. I thought it was the funniest thing that that everybody thought that 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 I just I simply tweeted out I love 
BCC. Uh, so it just it made it all very, very funny. But anyways, it can be really sketchy when you start to Google things like that on your phone. You know, our phones are always listening. It starts to give you uh, suggested searches. Find it very hard to believe that you've been this professionally savvy. You've been online for this long. And this is news to you. I think it's a real nice angle. It is news to me. Maybe I need to broaden my Googling horizons. Maybe I'm the one. I'm shortchanging myself. Take the safety off. Type in CBT and just (laughs) knock yourself out. Ah, so great. Okay, so we're doing, um, I I don't want to call this a redo of an interview. Yeah, this is a makeup in a sense. Yeah, because Danhausen... Uh, you guys stepped in while I was massively pregnant about to, well, I think, I guess it aired while I was pregnant, but yeah, Danhausen had you when I got to interview you and I was like, wait, but I want to hang out with RJ. Let's have another go at this. Mm, it's taking you quite a while. It's been there's a sizable gap. We're busy. I couldn't do it back to back to back. That would be weird. I got to give people, give a little, a little room to breathe. I, speaking of room to breathe, I was very bothered that we did the episode and you weren't actually not there. <laughs> I was hovering. That was unfair to me, I thought. Probably a little unsettling for Danhausen as well. I was just like breathing down his neck while he was guest hosting the show. Because I went in with a certain angle and a certain mood. And then to have you there mm, just changed it. the chemistry of the room. Shit. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm I guess I've completely changed the chemistry of this one, too, because here we are in the flesh. Well, Well, because you're just in the Zoom. Yeah. You started talking about Googling things. I mean, very (laughs) weird. Slippery, slippery slope. Um, Okay, where to start with you? What is your relationship with Danhausen? How did you guys become (laughs) friends? You guys are like a match made in heaven. I want to just go to like a Denny's with you, too. Yeah. Okay. It's not, I don't, you're expecting some sort of act at Denny's. Kind of. Yes. But I also would just love to see when the act is dropped and you guys are just existing. Well, okay. Let me say this about me. And this is a quote from our dear friend, Nug. Oh, Nug. Let's for Nug, a little small. Sweet Nug. Nug. Sweet Nug. He said, the great thing about me is that everybody thinks it's an act. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this is usually it. I'm sure Danhausen has some levels to his character and his human being. Yes. There's di- there's different stages of that, but I've not got to hang out with you in real life very much at all. No. So yeah, I don't I anytime I see you, it's it's in a capacity like this where one is kind of like on. Yes. Yeah, I know. I'm sure I'm sure there's a little difference. Maybe a little bit. I would hope so. But I had wrestled Danhausen pre-Danhausen. Oh, my gosh. What was that like? He was a guy. He was a wrestler. I mean, he was nice and cool. And, you know, and he was obviously into odd things, but it didn't mesh up with his character at all. And then, and I had forgotten this, I wrestled him again in a tag match when he was toying with the Danhausen character. And I believe he had some makeup in his face and things of that nature. And then... He, he started doing the Danhausen stuff and I was at an indie show too. And I said, well, do you want to do coffee and underwear? Cause sometimes I will pre-tape it if I'm not around on the Sunday morning. So he's like, sure. So we were in, I think um, a Legion hall or they were doing ax throwing. And then we snuck into a person's office. The, I guess the head ax master, we snuck into their office and we turned on the camera 
And I guess to both of our surprises, it was perhaps funnier and more enjoyable than we thought it was going to be. And the relationship just sprouted from there. It grew some legs. Well, then we put it online, a, a clip of it, of me trying to get him to say Hausen, and he will not say Hausen, and we keep going around in this horrible circle. And, you know, it went beyond our immediate circles. It, it, People really, really seemed to like it. <laughs> and we both went, that's weird. This is very strange. <laughs> and then we ended up, so, you know, there is something here. And then we, we did it a couple more times. And then we've always kind of stayed in touch online in that in that regard. It's funny yeah. how relationships like that can kind of like sprout. Like, I don't even really know how like I became like, I'm not friends with Dan Housen, like you're friends with Dan Housen, but like we're buds. And I don't really know how that even started. But I think it was just like, yeah, maybe like a couple exchanges on Twitter, doing each other's shows, seeing each other here and there. Uh, but yeah, it's a very funny like day and age how that just kind of happens. That's how like friendships then- start. Yeah, next thing you know, we're we're doing uh we're both doing an AEW thing together. <laughs> and it's it's the same shit. And we're I feel like I don't know how he feels, but I'm looking like are we just doing the same thing that we do? Like this is suddenly it's popular and successful. <laughs> I'm, okay. I guess. How I guess proud are you to be able to see what he's doing with AEW and like the insane reactions that he gets that an act like that he brings to the table that is very unique and might not thrive everywhere is doing so well in AEW. I'm I'm perhaps not proud of him. I'm proud of, of, like Tony Khan for having the flexibility and the openness to recognize like, Hey, you know, cause I'm sure he was just for other promotions. He was on just a no list or <laughs> like yeah, some kind of like circus act kind of thing. Bring him in yeah. for like, you know, a small stint here or there, or I mean, cause he's actually like a good wrestler as well. So, I mean, they could, and who gives a shit? Who gives Is anyone, a shit? Are the good wrestlers, even good wrestlers. Who cares? Right. Come on, it's a hammerlock. We've all seen that. <laughs> Put on a hold. Who cares? But I, I am, I guess, I, but yeah, proud of him in a sense that he was like, this is a thing and we're going to, I mean, he really kind of forced his way in. It's stupid to deny him at a certain point. Sure. But I, I mean, I guess the same is kind of said for you as well. Like <laughs> when I saw you doing like the road to revolution and you're doing this, like you're like a, a valet, or, a, or not a valet, a car driver? Yes. Is that what we're calling Me, it? Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was a chauffeur. A chauffeur. I was a chauffeur. That's yeah. the word I meant, a chauffeur. The valet has the car when you're not in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I meant. I was like in and around the neighborhood of the word that I was looking for. Um, you're a chauffeur doing the Road to Revolution. You're, now you're doing Hey, EW. All of these things are really great. And it's awesome, like super fun content. How did these ideas kind of come about? Like, what were those conversations with? I'm assuming it was all with Tony because he's so hands on with everything. But like, how did you get this off the ground? I was doing the WWE stuff, as you were familiar with previously, or maybe you weren't. Yeah, you were doing stuff on the bump. I was doing stuff on the bump. I had uh, I did WrestleMania after dark. It was a comedy special between the WrestleMania nights. Everyone loved it. We were doing more and more stuff. And then along came a big tide, shall we say, and washed everything away. So to continue the nautical analogy, I was adrift. <laughs> I had a I had a buoy and a dream. <laughs> and I started like, you know, it's still like 
pandemic, pandemic, although because this is still pandemic, but everyone's not going to get into it now. And I thought, well, I, I started toying with doing like a new wrestling character. I'm not I'm not sure if you've seen my work as Babyface. I've seen I am familiar with your work as a babyface. I know all about it. So I'm doing that. I was working on a bunch of TV stuff. I was working on a project with David Arquette, who is a burgeoning young actor, and we're all pulling for him. And then I had just tweeted out that I had pitched it a while ago to WWE to be a chauffeur on the road to WrestleMania. And then Tony messaged me out of the blue and he was like, hey, and he had been familiar with my past online comedy work, which I which blows my mind. So he was like, hey, why don't you this? I love this. And I think we could do it for this. And then I also maybe you could do some sit down interviews. I was like, oh, my. And then we, you know, start spitballing back and forth a little like this, a little like this. And I'm like, OK, great. We'll be in touch. And then, you know, you don't then you don't hear anything. And then you start freaking out that he's more. Well, he must have thought it was a horrible idea. And then and then I got a message from. Sanjay, I think, who I've known for a while and we've always never gotten to work together. We've always tried and it doesn't work out. And then Kevin Sullivan, who edits the not the wrestler, the wonderful wrestling editor, Kevin Sullivan. And he was like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, this is my I mean, I wrote an outline. I'm neurotic in a sense where like I will lay everything out for you. And the road to revolution was pretty much it. Yep. It's us in a car and we just whatever. I had written the, the Paul White one. I had written a couple others to be like, this is what it looks like. And then the Hey W, the Hey, I had a long list of like, when I'm pitching something, it's like, here's a bunch of stupid titles. I'm just writing them to get the things flowing. And the first one was Hey W, which really was, you know, the, the stupidest one I could think of. And then we had a, a like a conference call and they're like, yeah, we, I think we all agree that uh, the name of the show is Hey W. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> And then, you know, they put the logo together and it looks like, hey, oh, and I'm like, wow, this is a good. <laughs> I know when I first saw it, that's what I thought that it was. I was like, hey, ew, OK, I get where you're going with it. But hey, EW makes more sense. The first one I wrote for that as an example was the Tony one, because I thought if he doesn't want to sit through these, then no one will. Like either you're in or out. So like this, here's making fun of you. And I had sent it to him. And then we lined them up and we were about to go do his interview. I'm like, so did you read the questions? And he's like, nope. I'm like, okay. And he just, I guess, trusted me enough to go really do my own thing. No one's given me a note so far. Your prep work for this then, you do write out all the things that you want to talk about. Like what is your like method of putting together a show like that, that to the viewer looks so like loosey goosey, fun, like dumb. And I mean that in the best way. Uh, what is your prep work for that? Well, I always get neurotic and assume like they're going to be tired. They're not going to want to do this. So if I can do the questions in a way where if I just read them, then we're covered, we'll be fine. The jokes are in the question. They don't even have to do any. I mean, I have so far, I have over 50 pages of notes of interviews that, that have not happened yet. So like every day I will write something. I just and then but I, like you want to be prepared to make sure you have that, to make sure you don't have anything. You, you don't have nothing. But then everybody has been great and has added to it. And you also have to be open to them wanting to take stuff everywhere. Like Eddie Kingston is a great example you know, we started talking about something and then he mentioned him knowing Shakespeare. I mean, that wasn't in my notes. I certainly don't talk to the people before it. And it is one take. And it's like, what we get is what we get. And anything that we've 
edited has just been either for time or we didn't think was funny. I mean, there hasn't been like, oh, that was, you know. But And I also think, to Kevin Sullivan's credit, it feels live. Like, you can tell that it's one take. 100%. No, it definitely does have that vibe to it. I mean, aside from like the, I mean, Eddie Kingston is um, a, a treasure yeah. uh, all his own. Who else so far has like really stood out to you? I mean, you've had some of the cream of the crop of AEW sitting across uh, the on-air sign. For yeah, you? sure. The, the chair, <laughs> the set. Sometimes we call them a set when they're on a show and we have things together. It's a set. Got it. I was not ready for Arn Anderson. I had thought there are some people I revere in a sense where I'm like, this person's going to hate this because they're better than in my head. Like they're above me. And he came in, he shook my hand, he sat down and, uh, and we just went. And it was, um, it was amazing. Even just him breathing while I'm miming. Uh, it's just, it's so ridiculous. And he added so much. And then it was just I like. I fucking love Arn. What a sweet man he is. To be able to like put someone in that position where they're not normally shown in and he's hilarious and he's quick. And then people are writing like, I didn't realize Orrin was that funny. And somebody else commented like, oh my God, I have to go back and watch this guy's matches. Like I thought he was just a serious whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is great. And then like, what a gift. Like there's no other path in life where I would be able to do this with Arn Anderson. No, it's so funny. Somebody like Arn, I mean, when he was like describing like the flat butts, and that you'd call that what, like a can of smashed biscuits or whatever it yeah, was. Like, where are you coming from? <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I, I love that you're getting to do this um, with AEW and that they're giving you the freedom, which I mean, it seems like they, you know, they really do give people the freedom to come in and do the thing that they're good at and just like trust the talent to do their thing and let it be great. So it, it's really cool to watch. Um, so my next question is, how do we revive... Tuesday Night Titans, because I know that you and I both really want to do Tuesday Night Titans. How do we make this happen? We had a tiff. Did we have a tiff online? We sure did. We had a Twitter battle. I did WrestleMania After Dark. They really liked it. And they're like, people are internally. I love how they use the word internal. It can mean absolutely anyone. It can mean someone at catering said, hey, that was good. It means absolutely nothing. They're like, you know, they're pushing. They want to do more. They maybe want to do a weekly thing. And it's like, well, OK, well, I'm not going to do that every week to do a, you know, a 90 minute show every week. Like and then USA had started following oh. me because my dream was to redo. I don't know if you're familiar with USA's Up All Night. No, it had Rhonda Shear and Gilbert Gottfried hosted it. And they would do interstitial comedy scenes in between B-movies. It would be like a late night block of B-movies. And you would do like this comedy stuff in between. I was like, well, let's just bring that back. That's fantastic. And then so they had do, talked about it. It was on the table, apparently. And then I guess you caught wind. USA was tweeting about it. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Back up. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> uh, how do we revive it? I mean, let's face facts. It was not a very good show. So maybe it was not a great show, but it had good bones, as we could say. I feel like there was something there that could be built upon. Sure. But I don't think that's necessarily an original invention, like a talk show format and good personalities. My point is, I don't think we I don't think we necessarily need the name either. You're locked into Tuesday nights. And then they when when I did the bump, they gave me Wednesday morning wake up. That was the name of the segment. And they they ripped off the TNT logo. I also wanted to do uh, Rampage has started airing. They got preempted. They're airing at like 530 and 730. I wanted to do dinner and a match. 
I saw you tweeting about that. I think that that's great. I actually love that idea. It was TBS used to do dinner and a movie, right? Yeah. That should happen. I mean, I remember watching that growing up and was like, oh, wait, this is a thing that's happening. And like, you know, it's, it's obviously inspired you. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I mean, I saw you tweet it and I was like, wait, this is actually a really great idea. This needs to be like elaborated upon. Football fans, check out the three and out podcast with John Middlecoff only on the volume podcast network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex-NFL scout to the volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip, John has you covered. Download 3 and Out with John Middlecoff, only on the Volume Podcast Network. What were some of the other things that you like pitched to WWE when you were there and some of the stuff... With AEW, I mean, it seems with AEW, you've actually just been able to do most of the stuff that you've wanted to do so far. Let me, yes, let me say the main difference is everything I've pitched with AEW that's been discussed has gotten on and gotten made easily. I'm, I'm, I guess, two for two. With WWE, I was like two for 40. And there was stuff that would get very close to happening and be done and we're ready to go. And then it just doesn't. And it's like, that place is like, a, you know, it's like a city, you know? Sure, I know. One of the I things know. I had there that I was dead set on doing. It was this part of something else, but it was a segment called Is Andre the Giant Hot? Because there's some pictures of him where he's a beast of a man. But then other pictures, there's he's like a hipster looking. He has a little camera. He's in Japan. And it's like, hey, oh my God. So it would just be me and a guest and we've got through pictures of Andre the Giant. This was one that was close to being made? Yeah. It was good. It was part of something else. It was just a segment. And I had written it into other stuff that that had not happened. What else did I want to do? I mean, there's a bunch of stuff. They wanted to do a SummerSlam special like WrestleMania. And I had written it before the tide came. But like those kind of things I don't like to think about because they kill me because they're finished. Like I did all the work and it's funny and it works. But I'm moving on. I do have a bunch of AEW ideas. Somebody actually just tweeted the great thing about me being at AEW is that the roster is so deep. It's a real smorgasbord that there are a bunch of people I need to have on. 100%. Yeah, there's no lack of people for you to like hang out with and like do some interesting, cool, weird shit with. And also, you know, Tony was nice enough to do the second episode so nobody can say shit. No one can say no. Until you ask John, I that needs to happen. What are the odds that he's even seen me ever? That's a good question. I don't know. He's really in his own world at TV is. So yeah, that's debatable. I'll ask him though. Good. If you could. I will. I'll circle around. I'll put in a good word. This is ready. John, if you catch him in the right time too, because John. Uh, what does that mean? I'm not around him all day like you. Well, if you catch him in the right mood, I guess I should say. Does he have a ring? Because <laughs> if you get him in the right time and he wants to like play and hang, I feel like he would give you some pretty interesting nuggets for you to uh, to have some fun with. Anyways, my dream is to make this happen. I mean, I'll be in Vegas. I'll have a seat if he's around. I think he's on the program. He's, he is booked on the program. He will be there. What is it in wrestling that you want to do? In terms of what I want to do, for some reason, a bunch of people talked about me, uh, tweeted about me being on commentary today. And I can, I can certainly do that. I can certainly, you know, I don't know, continue to host things. I could manage if I had to manage. I could wrestle if I need to wrestle because, again, it's a hammerlock. We've seen it. And then I also want to just continue 
to do the things I'm doing and get paid more for them to enable me doing more of the same things. 100%. That's the goal, right? To just like keep the bullshit machine moving forward. Keep it going. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting too, just to be able to like, obviously to be working for a wrestling company, be in there as you have all of these tools as a host, as an entertainer, also as a wrestler, the fact that you can take a bump obviously makes a big difference. If you were ever to do um, some kind of storyline on, hey, EW, that requires you getting into some kind of a spat with somebody. Although I pride myself on this being the least violent talk show in wrestling history. Although I, 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 I totally forgot to tell you this. When you were doing backstage, you had David Arquette on the show and he was supposed to be in some promo battle with Booker T. Yeah, which was actually the only time that Booker T was nice to somebody during promo school. So I was like, hey, do you know that you're in this thing? Like, this is what you have to do. And he's like, no, I had no idea. I thought I was just on the show and they would talk. I'm like, no, you have, you know, whatever. So he's like, I don't know what to do. I need your help. So I had armed him with a bevy of insults for everyone, CM Punk, everyone. But he was too sweet to pull the trigger. And then Punk was like, you should have went harder on everybody. I was like, and then I'm yelling at my TV. Who wants to yell at David Arquette? I do it almost weekly. (laughs) He just has such a a sweet demeanor about him. Nobody wants to yell at Dewey. But Booker roasted people during promo school. Like he did not hold back. He went for the jugular. But David Arquette was the only person that he like pulled back on a little bit. Was like, all right, I like you, David Arquette. Yeah, because he knew he was just bumbling. David, he had a clear shot. He had my insults. He could have changed the whole. It's a shame. What did you write about me? I don't think I wrote anything about you necessarily. I think punk stuff and Booker T stuff primarily. Because I don't feel like you had enough. I don't feel like you have that much to criticize. (laughs) Thank you. I'll take that. I will take it. Um, Yeah. How did you even become friends with David Arquette? What is this relationship between the two of you? I find it fascinating. Where did it begin? What's the origin story? So David has a a guy he used to write a show with named Ben Joseph. Ben Joseph is a comedy writer. He lives in Toronto. He would go to the indie shows. He was a fan of mine. I did not know who he was. He was a fan of mine. And David was starting to want to get into wrestling again to maybe, maybe do even before the doc was really a thing. He was just seeing what's out there. Was this pre or post Nick Gage match? Oh God. Pre, pre, pre like years before. And Ben was like, Hey, if you want to get into this stuff again, you should follow this guy. He'll, you know, whatever. And then of course he saw my old show business tweets and his family has been in it for like four generations. Forever. Yeah. I'm more, you know, interested in his father and his grandfather than I am in him. Like, seriously, like, and I'm not. You're so weird. Of course you are. His grandfather was Charlie Weaver. He was on Hollywood Squares. He was the bottom square. That's pretty amazing. It is pretty amazing. I do love a good, like, the whole family is in the entertainment business and they've got these like deep, deep roots. I do find that really fascinating, especially like the kids that like grow up on those sets and they grow up going to studio lots and like all that stuff. It's I find it so cool. It's so not magical with him. Like, it's just like a family of plumbers. Like, this is what we did. Like his dad was like a character actor, like the longest IMDb. What was his dad in? His name was Louis Arquette. He was a bartender in, I believe, The Great Outdoors. 
Do you remember that movie? Okay, okay, okay. He was in Waiting for Guffman. Oh, he plays like, I think, the police chief in Ready to Rumble. Oh, hell yeah. If you see his face, you'd be like, oh, my God. And he was also one of the voices in Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. That's so great. That's the stuff that I care about and want to talk about, you know. So then we really sort of bonded over that. And then I think I also had a, like a knack of explaining wrestling to him in show business terms where he would now understand it. So like when we wrestled and, you know, when we when we started tweeting back and forth, I didn't realize he was so genetically naive. Like he's, you know, his heart is always first. And my heart is now my heart is so far back. It's so fragile that it's the last thing. And so when I would be messing with him on Twitter, he would always think it's real. And then that became it. And then it turned into this thing where it's like, oh, did we start a thing? I was like, I'm sorry. I thought you were a show business veteran. Like, what is wrong with you? Oh, my gosh. So it must I mean, how like him getting back in the wrestling world, then that must have rocked his world like emotionally because it can be so brutal. After we wrestled, we started teaming together as like, you know, I hate him, but I'm teaming as basically Charles Grodin and Martin Short in Clifford. Like, that's really the relationship here. I'm a heel. He's a face. But for some reason, we're teaming together. And every time I would get on the mic and I would apologize for any of this even happening. And I would say, David, from the bottom of my heart, and I would get very close to his face, say, you are you are the most talentless human being I've ever met in my life. And he would be so emotionally available in his performance that every time he would go, uh, that still hurts. <laughs> he would still like feel it and you would feel sad and then I would feel bad, but then people would boo. We'd be like, great, we've got something here. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, hey, I'm glad that a man like him exists that can be so emotionally vulnerable. <laughs> it seems a little scary though. Oh my gosh. Okay. What, like when you, cause I mean, you did the show splat a lot in Canada. Um, <laughs> yes. what like you getting into like showbiz, were you like a showbiz like kid? How I am now is how I came out. Really. I was singing Ethel Merman. I was watching the Muppet show. I was just this little 60 year old man. You are. I see. Like, I feel like I see you as a grandfather. Like when you're talking, like the way you describe things and talk, I'm like, you're my grandpa. It's great. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be the only person who's excited to get old. (laughs) Finally, my time to shine. I was always like that. I always did acting. I always did improv. I always did comedy. I went to, Unionville High School, which was like the, which was an arts high school. It was like a drama. It was a big, you know, whatever. But I had always thought I was always always wrestling. Like I'll do this and wrestle at the same time. I never saw them as any different. And I do not know why people do. So I always found that like the wrestling helped my acting stuff and the acting stuff helped the wrestling. It's like, yeah. And what's, you know, we can't, we come together. I realized that too. Like, I mean, I really fell into wrestling in a sort of like happenstance kind of situation where I was like, sure, I'll do this wrestling thing. And then I, once I was like in it, I was like, oh my God, why have I not been like in this world for so long? But as someone who, who has watched Aftermath since the beginning, you were able to come from outside the bubble and bring a level of, I guess, credibility or at least logic into what you had to deal with. And that seems to be like what made you successful. Some people are born inside the bubble and it's just a mess. 
<laughs> yeah, I got to like observe the bubble from the outside and then like dip my head inside the bubble. And I was like, okay, this is what's happening in here. Got it. Um, but I think my love of the entertainment side of things is because I even got into working in sports in merely a way of, I mean, you know, when you're working in Canada, there's only so many places that you can work to like get on TV. So I was like, I know enough about sports. Sure, I can do this. But I went to the score because they did more comedic style interviews. They had Jerry D doing comedy bits. Cabby was doing some kind of comedy bits. So I was like, all right, maybe that's something more that I could do. Like it was never like, ooh, I want to like be on a desk and like really get into like the X's and O's of sports. I wanted to bullshit with people on the street. Although my theory is also like sports has always kind of been like that. Like Howard Corsell, Jimmy the Greek, like, are you kidding me? Like the guy's got a gimmick name. Like I always feel, and tell me if you feel like this. Have you ever seen the old Star Trek episode? Frank Gorshin is in the episode. There's two nations on this planet that are warring. The one nation, half of their face is black and white. And the other nation, their faces are white and black. And Captain Kirk is like, don't you see you? You're the same. You know, you can come together. And that's always like wrestlers and like actors and comedians and whatever. It's like, don't you understand? All in the same world here. Yes. No, 100 percent. It's such a fascinating world. And I feel like I, my love of it just uh, grows and changes depending on what I'm doing. I find now being like outside of being like fully in WWE, I have like a different appreciation for it rather than being like inside inside. Uh, it definitely makes me look at things a little bit different and appreciate other things as well. Like I was less familiar with Japanese style wrestling or, you know, certain other things happening on the independent scene. So it's, it's really cool to have a different appreciation and admiration for what everybody's doing. Because there, yeah, I mean, there's so many like, like really great wrestlers, but then like unique acts that are happening. Wrestling should not be classified as a genre for itself. Because it's like saying you like wrestling is like saying, oh, I like music. Like, it's like, well, what do you mean? And wrestling, I feel, I mean, if you look hard enough, there is something for everybody. 100%. There's no way that you can't watch whether it's, you know, a two hour dynamite, a three hour Monday Night Raw, and you're not going to find like something in there that's going to talk to you in some way that make you be like, wait, what just happened? Can you rewind that for one quick second? And if you want to hear old men breathing while I mime, there's <laughs> AEW for those people who are interested in that. But that's also a thing. Like, I love when people go, I'm not a wrestling fan. I watch these interviews. I'm like, well, that's amazing. That is amazing. Welcome in. Join the party. Fight fans, take your best shot with a risk-free bet of up to $1,000 from FanDuel Sportsbook. Even if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out, new customers get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code Renee to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. Get up in there, make some money. You guys can choose from the money line and the method of victory and so much more. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. The app is so freaking easy to use. And when you win, you get paid real fast. And FanDuel Sportsbook has just launched in Ontario, Canada, my home province. Let's get after it. So to place your first bet risk-free, just sign up with the promo code Renee. That's R-E-N-E-E. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Minnesota, 
New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Wyoming. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as is knowledge travel set credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. And visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia or 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Um, I have a note here in my little Zoom chat. Um, you did a, a role in a movie called My Babysitter is a Vampire? That was a TV show that I believe was based on the film. I think it was a film first and then became a TV show. I wonder if this is the film. I sometimes think about this movie that I watched as a kid where like the kid's a vampire and he like floats up to like the second story window. I don't know if this is the same one or not. I've, I'm always trying to no. like find it. That's not it. I don't think this is it. Well, tell me about this one then. I was an Egyptian guard. They were in a museum. Somebody knocked over a urn or opened a thing sarcophagus and those mummies curse. And I was a guard for the mummy who came back to life. And I had a whole Egyptian and sandals on, which I don't think would fly now. And I was also like the same age as everyone, but a lot taller than them. And it was a little alarming. It was just really weird. And I had my, my serious voice. I wasn't, uh, yeah, I wasn't necessarily proud of my performance. I would love to hear your serious voice. I think I stopped doing it. You know what? That's like my Canadian accent. It's gone now. I don't know how to conjure it back. I don't know where it's gone. I can't do it anymore. I also realized like, and it's made acting difficult. Like I have a writer's mind and I have, a, I would say a relatively unique voice in the sense that, you know, people who get me to do stuff like Tony was like, you know, do whatever you do. You don't meddle in the thing of whatever. When I'm acting, I look at the scripts and I go, can I say something else? That's why Splatalot was great because they kind of threw up their hands and it became all improvised. How fun was it working on a show like that, though? Because, I mean, like I kind of mentioned, too, I mean, shows like that and like getting on a TV show in Canada are like really far and few between. There's not a lot of them. Like, what was that experience like for you? So that show is a co-production with like YTV and BBC, which is like a big deal. And then it became like really syndicated in like 100 countries or whatever. And then Nickelodeon bought it. So like that was because you thought like, oh, it's a Canadian, whatever. I'm happy to do it. I loved YTV as a kid, obviously. And then so for it to go like bigger and then people, weird people still like recognize me and like my YouTube, they're like, I'm from England. We still remember you. I'm like, that's weird. And it's great. <laughs> but you have no like, you know, we kind of did them in a bubble. We did it on a castle built on a farm in Orangeville. And then they get packaged and they go out and you're okay. Okay, that's great. And like, are we going to do more? And they're like, no, that's pretty much it. Like we did enough to, you know, whatever. How different is like your work experience like between Canada and the United States? I always find it fascinating talking to other Canadians about this, about just like the differences of working in Canada and the U.S., especially just like the entertainment side of things. It's obviously there's so much more to do here in the United States, but I feel like the productions are always much different. I, I always have a love of Canada and working in Canada. I mean, it got really fun. I worked for CBC for a while. I did. I don't know if you saw the crafting series. I sent you the link of the crafting series. Did you watch the crafting series? 
Nope, I didn't. But I did watch part of your documentary um, for Fight Network, the one, the documentary about nothing. That was another. They had called me. A guy's name's George Barbosa, and he does a lot of stuff for Impact and Fight, and he does a very good job. And he wanted to do a normal documentary, ooh, doing some comedy shows and then some coffee and underwear and then the wrestling. And I was like, it's not interesting. Like, I'm not very confessional. Unlike, like, I don't find it that interesting. And then the pandemic happened. And it was like, well, we really can't do anything, but we still want to do something. I was like, you know, I have a lot of notes on wrestling. Why don't we just get in a room and do them? And then it was is basically a video essay. It's me ranting for like 40 minutes. But I did a web series called The Cynical Crafter on CBC. It was a parody craft show. And I was able to have Fred Penner on the show. Yeah, Whoa. exactly. So maybe you should click the links. Maybe they would be to your benefit. You sent me a lot of links, first of all. And I was watching them while I was getting my nails done. And I didn't have my headphones. So I didn't want to be that person that was just like out loud playing all these videos. Yeah. Well, you missed Fred Penner. I did miss Fred Penner. What? That's a huge deal. So I had him on the show as a guest and at the end we would sing. This was my thing. And I was like, what should we sing? It has to be, you know, CBC legal team. You can't sing. You know, if you play one note of a song, they get all upset. So I've always made it a point to know a fair amount of public domain songs. And one of them was the the trail of the lonesome pine, which is a song that Laurel and Hardy used to sing. And it was a two part thing. And I remember sending it over to Fred can you like, I felt bad. Like, do you mind you singing? learn this? Can you do this? And then late at night, one night, I remember just sitting on the steps and I got this email and it's like, is this okay? And it's this little private Fred Penner recording Shut of up. him singing this song. And I, I know it's, I started to cry. That's wild. It was wild of like singing this song, which I knew and loved. And then he's like, the nicest man in the world. How much or like, what's an example? Because you are you bullshit all day, every day. You were like the biggest bullshitter. How many times has that like backfired on you? Because like we were even messaging, getting ready to like do this interview. And you're like, well, OK, well, I'm going to log on like a couple days early and just be like set up. Like, obviously, I know you're fucking with me. But how many times do you do things like that? And people are like, wait, what? Like, do you cross lines with people all the time? To this day, I have people who do not believe that I did coffee and underwear with Steve Austin. <laughs> they, they think, think it was like a photoshopped, photoshopped picture. <laughs> and it's like, what you did? I don't I just thought it was a thing. So I didn't bother clicking on it because sometimes, yes, I do bullshit constantly. Like I said, I was at AEW to sing the national anthem, <laughs> thought, you know, <laughs> Whatever. And then I became the the boy who cried show. <laughs> they don't believe it. And I'm like, no, this is a real. And they're like, oh, even WrestleMania after dark. They thought they were like, oh, I thought you were just streaming <laughs> WrestleMania. I'm like, no, no, please. For real, I'm doing it. Yeah. That's very funny. How did you convince Steve Austin to do um, Coffee and Underwear? David and I did his podcast. When I was in L.A., we were doing something in L.A. I don't know why, but we thought, oh, we can do his podcast. It's great. And we brought him a cherry pie because I feel it's weird to go to somebody's house and not bring them anything. I agree 100 percent. You should. No one should feel comfortable showing up empty handed. Bring something. Bring some flowers. Bring a bottle of wine. Bring a cherry pie. But we went. And first of all, I will say there are a lot of old wrestlers who really enjoy 
phoning in the podcast process. Oh God. Yeah. But Steve like works and had notes <laughs> on me and he was on my Instagram. He was asking, I was like, holy, like I was not prepared for how prepared he was going to be. It was great. So he clicked the links is what you're saying. He clicked all the links. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Tell me about that. Some bitch Fred Penner. I'm sure he said. <laughs> Afterwards we're done. And then we're talking for like an hour. Cause I have a million questions that I want to ask about. And just, I'm excited to talk to you and he's excited. Work, and I just went, look, if you don't want to do this, tell me to go fuck myself. That's how I open most <laughs> requests. And that's what I will probably say to John too. And then he will say, go fuck yourself and he will be gone. But he was like, all right, let's just do it. Let's just do it behind the bar. And David is actually filming that episode. <laughs> Why I did not think to include him. I have no idea, but then weird things happen. I believe I, this is the only show in history to have both Steve Austin and Mario Cantone as guests. Well, I'm really glad yeah. that we got to have a little second go, a second installment of having RJ City here on the sessions. Um, and truly, kudos to you. You're really fucking crushing it. I find you very entertaining. I think you're a great time. Um, and I'm just going to keep watching. You are a good time. Um, and I'm going to click on the links now because, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I'm going to watch that for sure. I didn't know that that was in there. I mean, I saw what the links were and I was like, okay, cool. That one slipped between the cracks for me because I'm going to go back and look at that one. You sent me, um, oh, maybe there was like six or seven links. It felt like a lot. Why don't you have a Wikipedia page, by the way, before I let you go? What's the hold up? What's the thing there? I'm verified. I have all those other things. What, who does that? Everyone in wrestling has a Wikipedia page. So it's time to get that going. But we also need more footage of you wrestling. Why doesn't that exist either? I'll, I'll wrestle a little more. Maybe you should just do like some like streaming tutorials. How about that? Just hammerlocks. Hammerlocks only. Hammerlocks on hammerlocks. <laughs> All right, RJ City, you are uh, you're a sweet man. I enjoy you. And uh, hopefully I'll see you soon. A big thank you to RJ for hanging out with me. Hopefully, um, hopefully I can convince John to do Hey EW. But it sounds like RJ maybe wants me to keep my freaking nose out of his business. So we'll see. I'll, I'll maybe just like drop a little hint here or there and try to have some sort of wife influence. Is that a thing? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Not sure. But I will do, uh, I'll do what I can. Any hoodles. RJ, you're a gem. Make sure if you're not already following him, you are missing out and you definitely want to be in on the know. But I think if you're listening to this, odds are you do follow him but just in case you don't his twitter handle is rjcity1 get on there check the man out enjoy it all definitely watch hey ew on uh, aw's youtube channel good 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 stuff i love when um i mean I, I would not necessarily put him under like the category of like a broadcaster he's like a fun tv host um which is what i prefer anyways uh, but i love that he gets to do the things that he's doing I know what it's like working in the wrestling world and trying to like still do the things that you want to do without actually wrestling. Um, and it can be a, a bit of a hard fought battle. So I, I love seeing him do what he's doing and, and get the interviews that he's having and that people are having a really great reception to it all. So keep checking out all of his stuff. And I will be right here on the sessions, holding it down, having interviews with some of your guys' favorites. So turn on the notifications. Uh, duh, you guys know the drill. And I will be back here in a couple days with another episode of The Sessions. Bye. Bye.